Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. There is a better way to listen. You don't have to be on autopilot. So today, more about the lost art of listening and how you can deepen your rapport with someone by pausing at the right time, learning how to deepen the conversation with meaningful questions and really how to navigate, take hold of a conversation that may have gone off the rails. Author of Listen Like You Mean It is my guest today. Her name is Jimena Vengoechia. Jimena, welcome to Read. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, why did you want to write this book first up? And can you give listeners a sense of your background in terms of, you know, why you were so interested in researching this whole conversation, this whole idea of conversation? Sure. So my background is as a user researcher, which for those not familiar is one of the most people-centric jobs in tech. So I've worked at companies like Pinterest, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and my job has really been to understand people in order to build better products. And one of the core qualities and skills of being a researcher is being a good listener so that you really understand people. And as I developed my training, I started to realize that I had an advantage even outside of these lab studies through listening in my ability to connect with people and really understand them and build better relationships. So I was I was drawn to that idea and sharing it, you know, more broadly, in part because I think we're we're at this really unique cultural moment. Um, there's a lot of political polarization. In general, we're very distracted by social media and other things, and mm. I think we can all afford to be better listeners right now. So fascinating. So you worked at Pinterest and other social media companies. I'm keen to go behind the curtain. What is it about social media companies? What do they know about what is required in the dance of a good conversation that they're using in product development? So I think that what they know is that there's a ton of value to understanding people and and what their routines and their needs are and their perceptions. Mm. And, you know, often when you're you're building products, you have an idea about what you want to put out into the world. And maybe some, maybe that's a biased idea and you might be the only person interested in that. And Mm -hmm. so bringing people in, real people in who might use your product and having a conversation with them is really what allows you to put those assumptions aside and understand well who's in front of you and, and how might they use your product in a, in a genuine way. So really social media companies understand how listening better can make them and their products more influential. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. So tell us how you wanted to make your book. Listen like you mean it. Great title, by the way. I really like it. Uh, how did you plan to make this different from other books out there on listening? Thank you. Yes. Well, I think, you know, my, my background is probably one of the key differentiators in that often when we talk about listening, when we learn about it, um, you know, maybe it's from a psychologist's point of view. Mm. This is a very hands-on and practical book in the sense that I've included scripts. So, you know, when I've conducted research sessions, I have a script that I'm using in conversation with someone to kind of set the stage, to navigate the conversation, and I've adapted those scripts for real life. I also include hands-on exercises, so ways for you to become um, more aware of your own listening tendencies in conversation and maybe some of what 
you're bringing into a typical conversation. Mm. So it's a very practical book in that regard, and it's filled with stories from, you know, my days at, at some of those tech companies as well. All right. So does it start with listening to yourself? I mean, if readers want to self-assess, where do they begin? Well, I think one of the best places to start is to think about what I call your default listening mode is. Mm. So your default listening mode is the way you naturally show up in conversation as a listener. So without even thinking about it, it's a filter you tend to hear things through. And we all have these. No mode is you know, good or bad or better than, than the other. But it's useful to know what your default mode is because it's not always what's required in a conversation. So an example of a mode, and I think this is probably a very common one among leaders, actually, is to have a problem-solving listening mode. So that's when you hear everything through this lens of a problem to be solved. And that can be really, really helpful and productive when there genuinely is a problem that needs solving. You know, you're brainstorming something, you're generating ideas, there's roadblocks that need to be removed. That's great. But sometimes the other person might not actually have a problem that needs solving. Sometimes they might just want to be seen or witnessed or validated or encouraged, but they don't need advice or solutions. And so a great place to start is identifying what is that listening mode that you tend to bring into conversation and noticing in the moment, is this what's needed or is something else potentially needed. That's so interesting. What is the range of listening modes? I mean, some people listen, as you say, to problem solve. Other people may listen to just understand a problem. Can you give us a sense of the different modes? Sure. So a few other modes by way of example. Another would be um, the identifier. So the identifier is really listening, really scanning for ways to relate to someone else. Um, so they're, they're listening and they're responding in ways that sound like, oh, that happened to me too, or that's exactly like when I experienced, etc. And this can be really affirming for the other person. It can help them feel that their experience, you know, is shared in some way, like, wow, I'm not the only one who's had this difficult situation. But it can also sound dismissive in the sense that maybe the other person wasn't finished sharing their experience. And now you've kind of made the conversation about you, Mm. right? So that's another example of a listening mode. And there, there are 11 in the book. Um, that you can start to, you know, there's an exercise to start to familiarize yourself with them. That's fun. So it's not like one listening mode is better than the other. It's sort of a huge palette and people can jump around in these different modes and try them out. That's right. And I would also say, you know, as as you sort of are reflecting on this too, it's useful to think about when these modes come up the most. You know, there may be certain dynamics that you really shift into a certain mode. And and again, that's helpful to be aware of because that's where you can begin to adapt and pay more attention to what is needed right now than, you know, where do I feel comfortable as a listener? Yeah. In conversation with people socially, I have to remind myself that I'm not there to interview them sometimes. You know, <laughs> exactly. Switch out the of interviewer that. is one of the modes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to switch out of that in a while. Um, I, I think a lot of listeners are interested in building rapport. So does your book help with some skills on rapport building as listeners? Yes. So my job as user researcher, I'm, I'm often talking to strangers. I've got, you know, maybe an hour um, to get to some pretty personal topics sometimes. So mm-hmm. I have to really quickly build rapport. And there are ways 
to do that. And I think one of the biggest ways is demonstrating curiosity. And I think what's interesting is, you know, we often feel a sort of pressure, especially when we're meeting new people, to be interesting, you know, like to have that funny story or that impressive anecdote to sort of bring people in. And what research shows is actually that what's more important in terms of developing these relationships and kind of bringing this magnetic force in is to demonstrate curiosity, to be interested in the other person rather than trying to be interesting. So I think that's one really important thing to keep in mind. Channel that you're interested in the other person and genuinely find a point. What do you do if you're just not interested in <laughs> the person that you're speaking with? I, I, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. No, I, I do know. <laughs> I think that there are, we all have topics that are, are just, you know, they're, they're not our natural sweet spot for yeah. things that we're, we're interested in. And it does become harder to be curious there. For that, I really suggest trying to find a thread that you can pull at, trying to um, figure out what can you learn about this. So maybe you're not interested in the topic. Maybe it's um, sports or finance or movies, whatever, whatever your topic is that, that you're not drawn to. And the other person's talking about it. What can you learn about them? So why are they interested in that topic? What does this tell you about their upbringing, their life experience, or, you know, how they spend their time or what kind of person they are? And that's useful because it helps you understand them better, whatever the scenario is, whether it's, you know, you're, you're getting to know someone a colleague socially for the first time, or, you know, you're on a first date, right? There's a huge range. But I think when you can start to understand the, the other person's connection to a topic, you can, you can typically get pretty curious about that, even if you can't get curious about the topic itself. Yeah, maybe move into the learner mode or the interviewer mode. That's actually really useful when you're meeting a stranger and, you, and you're finding that things aren't as interesting as you'd like the conversation to be. So your book talks about navigating a conversation that has gone off the rails. What do we do in that instance? Yes, there are many ways I think a conversation can go off the rails, whether, you know, the other person is kind of spinning on a topic and being really repetitive and you realize, okay, we're not getting anywhere or you're in a meeting and someone's totally derailed the the agenda. I think the important thing here, no matter what the scenario is, that you, in your response, are acknowledging the other person's input before moving on, before redirecting. So that could sound like, um, you know, it sounds like you, you, you need some more time to think this through. Why don't we hit pause on this? And you can spend more time on that, right? If someone's really kind of spinning on something mm-hmm. or if someone is derailing a, a meeting, um, you know, oh, that's a really interesting point. I want to also bring us back to point X, Y, Z, or I want to also hear so-and-so's perspective, um, or I want to go back to, you know, whatever the, the topic agenda was. So the formula there is really acknowledge, right? <laughs> Receive and acknowledge and then redirect. All right. Humana, I understand you wrote this book while you were holding on to your day job as a mother and uh, stuck in a pandemic like the rest of us. So is this, you know, what, what are some of the life lessons perhaps that doing all that and writing this book? Um, has brought to your life? Yeah, I mean, I think the the two that come to mind is just the the importance so crucial of having uh, a 
support system, a community in place, <laughs> because even though my name is on the book, um, I needed my partner to help take care of our kid and, right. and all, you know, support mm-hmm. in so many other ways. So I think that was huge. And I think the other, the other thing that was really helpful was really getting in tune with my natural productivity cycle. So knowing about myself, when do I do my best work? When do I do my most strategic work? And when can I, you know, do research um, rather than writing? Or in my case, I also have illustrations in the book. And that was something I felt like I could do as downtime, but I couldn't write, you know, the last thing in the in, in last moment of the day. So knowing that about myself and just trying to match um, what needed to get done with what my natural productivity cycle was, was a really important part of the process. All right. Before we let you go, um, you say on your blog, you hope this book helps people feel a little less lonely in their lives. Um, some final takeaways for people who want to listen like they mean it. Yes. I think, you know, one really small thing that, that you can do as you're listening and, and learning and trying to understand other people is to notice when you're mentally ready to respond (laughs) rather than listening. It's very common for us to want to chime in with a thought or ask a question or provide a solution Mm -hmm. and just noticing that and letting it go and coming back to the present. Yeah, sometimes, and that's why you write about the pause in the book, right? Pausing at the right time. Sometimes you don't need an interjection or a question or a clarification just being heard is so powerful. Jimena, it's been great speaking with you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Jimena Vengoechia is my guest author today. And the book that we've been reading is Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.